Today's episode of The Dad Chronicle is brought to you by the card game Totem. Totem is a unique card game that emphasizes sharing what you appreciate most about the people you're playing with. Think Cards Against Humanity, but with compliments. Deanna and I recently played this game with some good friends of ours and immediately recognized how amazing this game is for building relationships with those around you, as well as recognizing the positive impact that you have on others. Head over to teamtotem.com to learn more about the game yourself. And when you buy it, use code ALEX10 at checkout and get 10% off. Again, that's code ALEX10 when you purchase the game at teamtotem.com. Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. My name is Alex Albisu, and I'm your host. This is episode 89. On today's episode, I speak with Patrick Beja. Patrick is a full-time content creator who makes podcasts focused on video games, technology, and politics. And Patrick is also a new father. We start out by talking about some of the challenges in the early stages of his son's life. I think there are people who are natural parents and people who have to learn to be parents and i'm certainly in the the latter category we also talk about what it was like making the jump to the life of a content creator when you're much younger if you make a thousand bucks being a content creator talking about video games it's awesome and it's probably fine when you're 46 with a kid uh, a family and maybe more than one kid in the future you start thinking that you you need to think about how your career is going patrick has lived amongst many different cultures in his life and he shares how that has influenced the way he is raising his son there's a big difference actually between the way we think of it in France and the way people seem to be thinking about it in every other country. Here's my conversation with Patrick Beja. Patrick Beja, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you today? I am uh, rested, awake, and my son is at daycare. So uh, yeah, I'm ready to do some podcasting. Oh, yes. So it, with your son, does he go to daycare like first thing in the day and like you're able to just jump right into work or are you like... Yeah, that's that's the idea. Um, nice. We bring him in like around 8.30, 9 a.m. And uh, so, yeah, something like that. Hey, very nice. Very nice. OK, so for the, the people out there who may not know you on the Internet, uh, why don't you take just a moment to introduce yourself to the world? Sure. Uh, as my bio usually states, I am a podcaster first and French second. Um, so I do podcasts usually on tech and gaming topics in both French and English. And uh, yeah, sometimes I, I uh, play on that uh, Frenchness that I'm known for as well. I love it. I, and I, um, I, you're always given kudos for your mad scarf skills. And, <laughs> you know, apparently I, I didn't realize this was something that was not frowned upon, but regarded as something a little bit strange or that Americans would not want to wear because scarves are awesome. You know, they, they look kind of cool. They keep your neck warm when it's cold. Why would you not want to wear a scarf? That always puzzled me, but apparently it was a, a distinguishing feature. Well, listen, <laughs> you know, I, I, out of, I really think it's just us Americans feeling extremely uh, sensitive about our constant neck uh, coldness and we are just <laughs> too proud of people to to do otherwise and and actually right. I, I work with a lot of folks who are French 
all of them wear scarves. <laughs> I am not kidding. Well, I I didn't realize uh, scarves were a French thing, but apparently they are. And you know, I understand the desire to uh, man it up, for lack of a better term, by not wearing a scarf and enduring the cold. Uh, I just oh, screw that. I'll, I'll wear I'll wear a scarf. It inspires me to want to wear a scarf. The problem is that we just don't get as good as scarves around here. I think is the problem. Mm, yeah, that's an issue. <laughs> And and uh, not only are you a podcaster and you you have a lot of uh, great content out there, and I, I first discovered you on the instance, and then you know I've been following your work ever since. I think that uh, you know seeing some of the the mention of your son, you're also a great dad out there. So uh, oh. you uh, have a, a son who's just a little bit younger than my daughter. So so what was it like becoming a dad for you? Um, so first, let me amend what you just said. Uh, you said I'm a great dad. I can't guarantee that. I am a dad. That is true. Uh, great. I don't. Oh come on, <laughs> man. I listen. This is how I know you're a great dad because even like the little gleams of like I just get this like little glimmer of love and just like oh this is like so so one of my favorite things that i ever saw was this video a while back and i don't know if you remember but like you were pulling in a tree and you were pulling in a, a, a sled with your oh, son yes. in it and you were just like such a proud papa and i loved it <laughs> i loved it it was really cute. Um, we moved to the countryside here in Finland. Oh, right, because I'm French, but I live in Finland with my Finnish wife, who's a Swedish speaker and ah. not a Finnish speaker. Oh, so, um, okay. But, but yeah, we live here in the countryside. And so last year, for the first time, we went to get our Christmas tree out in the forest. And the little one was a little under one year old. So he was sitting in the sled. And uh, coming back home, I had like the tree on one shoulder and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and pulling the sled with the little one uh, in the other hand, and it was all very entertaining. So I posted that on, oh, uh, so on the great. internet. It was very fun. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. You do exude this just this proud dad sort of. And anytime I see you with your son, there's just I, I can sense the love. So you know, I know well, that that you love this. The, the the love certainly, but that's also the magic of the internet, where you can choose the moments that you share and the mood <laughs> that you that. share. <laughs> because um, I mean, obviously, you know, everything that everyone always says applies. There is obviously love and adoration and all of that. But um, I think your your initial question was, how did it did did it happen when he was first born? Did you like something about becoming a dad? And let me tell you, man, it did not come naturally. And it still doesn't. Um, I think there are people who are natural parents and people who have to learn to be parents. And I'm certainly in the, the latter category. And I think my, my wife as well, to an extent. Um, it, it was not easy for the first few months. Um, it was... Huh. It was actually pretty hard. It was probably one of the hardest things I've done in my life. Mm. And um, it's, I think, to an extent, it's the, it's that, it's the fact that it doesn't come naturally to to us, or at least to me. And also to an extent, it's the fact that uh, now the the kid is wonderful. He's he's super cute. He's very, uh, um, he does a lot. He's very active, and he's very, um, you know, learning every day. Tons of things. He's super uh, enjoyable to interact with. If you had talked to me 
last year, uh, around the time uh, when that video was taken, <laughs> uh, it, it, you would have gotten a very different um, sense of how I feel as a parent. Yeah, what it's, do you think was the big challenge for you at that point? Oh my God, the cries. He would cry all the time. And I know that, you know, people, you know, I, I'm, I, I am convinced that there are two kinds of parents in the world, or at least two kinds of parents for two different kinds of babies. Those that are normal parenting hard or normal baby hard, and those that are really hard. And those that that have like normal babies, they're like, oh yeah, of course it's hard, but you know that's what being a parent is, and it's so much joy as well. And you know, babies are work, but it, it's it's so much fun also. Those are the people you don't want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the we people, have this show, everybody. <laughs> exactly. Um, the people who have a difficult baby. Um, and again, keep in mind, things have changed completely. Now he's the easiest uh, toddler to, to handle. He's, he's absolutely adorable. But when he was a baby, let's say between the first six and nine first months of his life, he was really difficult because he would cry. So not all the time, but he would cry anytime he needed to go to sleep. And not just cry a little bit like he would cry is he when he first came out um the nurse took her, took him in her arms and he started crying and you can see her you could see her face visibly change because he was so loud and willful you know and wow. she put him on the table and she looked at us and she was like well you're gonna have fun and we we're like, what? What are you? And it was a difficult uh, birth, and there was, you know, C-section and everything, which wasn't planned. Um, and we were completely not understanding what she was saying. Now I realized that she knew he had a certain set of lungs on <laughs> on him, and so he would cry for a while before he would go to sleep every time. And of course, people know that young babies go to sleep very often. And uh, he cries very loudly. Like when when we have when we hear babies cry now, we're like, so we thought it was completely normal and average. But when we hear baby cry, babies cry now in like a coffee shop or whatever, or friends' babies, it's like, oh my god, that puny little being is so quiet yeah. when they're crying. And so. There was this thing, and we tried everything. We saw like every doctor to see if something was wrong with him. It was absolutely fine. Uh, we tried carrying him, putting him in a, in the uh, uh, stroller, putting him in the car, putting him in uh, in our arms, in the bed. Everything, nothing would work. Nothing for the first many months of his life. And back then, a month. What am I talking about? A week seemed like forever mm. and people kept telling us you know oh it's gonna get better don't worry too much and like we would investigate and think well after three months it gets a little bit better and we're like are you kidding me i'm not gonna make it to saturday <laughs> <laughs> um and and that was 
Yeah, so that was very, very, very difficult. Well, and I commiserate with that a bit because Arya is a really loud screamer and a crier. Like she's mm. just ooh, you know. Um, and so I'm, I'm. When you're saying this, I, I definitely feel a sense of compassion and empathy here because I felt like we kind of dealt with something sort of similar. I would, I actually had my very first panic attack ever, laying in bed just trying to let her cry it out because I'm like, oh my god, I can't handle this, and mm. that that's it's brutal to listen to as a parent and just as a human being, like listening to that kid oh, cry. It's but designed to torture you. No, it, it is. is designed to make you uncomfortable so that you do whatever you can to make it stop right that yes. that's a survival mechanism so yeah it's brutal um but you know i think with with her it, it just ended up working to you know i i learned different ways that i could handle that uh it, like what are some of the ways that you have been able to cope with that like if another parent is listening to this who's in a similar boat like what would you tell them uh bad news there's nothing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> Just deal with it. <laughs> at least, I mean, at least for us, as I said, we tried everything. We've read the internet, um, the entirety of it. We we tried everything. It's just for, for you know, of course, every kid is different. But for him, I just, I, I got to the realization at some point that it's just what he needed to fall asleep. And it, he needed, I don't know, to to evacuate the stress of the day or maybe the, the birth was so traumatic it took him a long time to uh, to to get soothed or, or maybe we didn't figure it out. You know, it's entirely possible, but we really did try everything. Right. But uh, in the end, we ended up letting him cry it out after weeks and weeks of trying everything like the 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 choices were either. He cries on us because we we were so concerned we would carry him every time he would go to sleep until he would fall asleep. And he would cry on us in our ears for, you know, 10, 20, 15, uh, 20 minutes um, every time. And of course, in the beginning, he goes, he sleeps like six times a day. So that ends up adding up. Um, and we were so exhausted. And but yeah, so the choice was either that or he cries anyway, but in his bed and then he falls asleep. So we ended up doing that. But even that was really hard because you want to go and pick him up. And mm -hmm. I guess the the thing that we ended up... Yeah, there is one advice I would give. Um, the thing that convinced us, uh, and I know that, you know, letting kids cry it out is a controversial topic for some people, or at least it's a choice you make and some people are very much against it. Um, there are a couple of ideas that convinced that it us it would be a good idea. Um, first, this image that I'm sure people who have investigated the topic are familiar with, which is um, this image of the knife. Like if a kid is crying because they want you to give them a knife, then you still wouldn't give them the knife. The idea being it's, you know, just because the kid is crying doesn't mean that you should do what they want. Um, and that kind of resonated with us. Uh, the other thing is this idea that if we didn't uh, deal with it sometime and somehow and, and teach him how to fall asleep on his own, uh, it would be very possible that he would sleep, not be able to sleep until, you know, two, three years old. He would need something, us sleep in our bed, et cetera, et cetera. And that prospect, that's more of the parent's view. 
to us was just impossible. Like we could not, yeah. we would not survive if the idea was that for the next two or three years, we would need to uh, accommodate his sleep uh, for that long a time, like sleep in our bed, us sleeping, falling asleep with him in his room, stuff like that. Yeah. So we decided, you know what, we're going to give it a try, give it a try with uh, letting him cry it out. And in the end, it, it took a long time. Like it was really painful. It was really difficult. It took weeks and months. But now he is a very sound sleeper. Um, he sleeps super well. I would say for months he's been sleeping very well. You know, there are uh, it comes and goes. Sometimes he has little phases where he's, it's a little bit more difficult, but now we've reached a point where he can tell us what the problem is, or we can soothe him. It's much easier, but the, the bottom line is now he knows how to fall asleep and he knows how to sleep. That's great. And yeah, that is, and he's not even two yet, but for months he's been sleeping very well. So I'm sure that there's part luck or part he was built like this anyway. Um, but if the fact that we uh, toughed it out, managed to teach him how to sleep, I think that's that in the end will have been worth it. Good. I think. Oh, that's. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you guys have come out on the other end, um, not necessarily unscathed. You've gotten scathed a little bit, you know. Oh, fine, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, still, still, you know, it's not completely perfect, but yeah. Yeah, and, and at least just kind of being at least a few months ahead of you, um, it, I don't know, like if it's. Obviously, every kid's different, right? But it there, there's always like a new thing that they freak out about. Right now, my daughter is doing this whole like no thing, like just like scream. Everything's no, and just oh, the fighting. Did that phase already. Oh <laughs> God! I, and I'm like, and I'm just like, why? Like why? <laughs> but but that's not the way you approach it, right? Like it, you have to approach it differently with kids. There, there's it's such a learning experience. Oh, it's and, the opposition. It's the opposition phase, right? Yeah, that's bingo. when they affirm themselves as an individual. And uh, yeah, it's tough. It's certainly tough to deal with. Like his, for for us, his default response to everything is no at yeah. the moment. Uh, thankfully, he doesn't like scream or but. He says no, even often when he actually wants the thing. So it's like, dude, what are you even doing? It's <laughs> but yeah, the, the no phase. It's not quite terrible twos for us. Yeah. Uh, yet maybe it will come, but it's definitely the no phase. Yeah. But you see, I hear this coming from you, and I'm like, oh man, that's that's totally Patrick. Just not not like <laughs> you know, like I love something that I really love about you is that you have this. Um, ability to drive a conversation like in some of these shows where you may take a differing opinion on something and I, I'm like I'm hearing you say this and I'm like oh my god this kid's going to be Patrick it's going to be great <laughs> it's going to be really great because well, one of the things that I um, and I took this note and, and, I, and I wrote it down I said you know uh, when I think of you I think that you know opinions exist um, on, on each side of an argument or, or whatever it is but there's always a, a working towards an understanding and, and a sense of empathy that I always get from you. And that's something that um, that I really love hearing as a podcaster because I think that's what drives the meaningful conversations. So um, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to hearing uh, more stories about ways that your strong-willed son 
uh, tends to differ on opinions with you. It's going to be great. You know, it's it's all been a training for this. It's all leading <laughs> up to this. All my years of podcasting, trying to understand the other person, where the other person is coming from when we disagree. That is what it, it's led to. Um, it all makes sense now. I love that. You know, and, and just thinking about your upbringing, um, this sense of, of understanding and, and uh, you, you know, just dialogue that you that I love hearing you have with others on the microphone is um, w- with your own upbringing. Was that really uh, a core part of you being brought up? Is that something that you learned um, as a skill set coming into podcasting? How did that come to be? Oh, I, I, you know, I don't think it was part of my upbringing at all actually in i'm i come uh from my family comes from the middle east and if you know anything about the middle east you'll probably know that lively debate is a core part of the culture like everyone is screaming at each other disagreeing vehemently and uh, my wife when she first met my family she's obviously as i said from uh the nordic countries and when she first witnessed that that uh, uh, horror of a debacle of a debate. She was horrified. Yeah. Um, she didn't understand what was happening. And then two minutes later, we would be like, oh, yeah, can you pass me the salt? Uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> of course. And, and like she, it, she just didn't understand what was happening. So the, the love of debate certainly might come from there. Um, I think my desire to understand my indirectly come from the conflict or or differing culture different cultures that i have been immersed in uh in my life i I come from uh lebanon and we i grew up in france i've been hanging out with uh finns and swedes for a long time i've lived in japan for for a while as well um and i think that uh uh mix of point of views and cultures is what led me to realize that sometimes you you see things um, in a certain way, but when you actually go and investigate, you realize that it's not quite as it seems. Mm -hmm. Or it's like not just looking through a glass. It's like looking at a 2D image of of reality. You don't quite get exactly. It's a, or a picture, a, a, a drawing of a picture of reality. You're like, okay, I get where this is coming from. But it's not quite the reality that I would encounter if I was to investigate it. And I think that's the case for, you know, the sometimes the political d- debates we get in, on my political show, um, when we have arguments about tech or gaming even, or uh, the realities of what it is to be a parent. Um, no one yeah. told me it was going to be like that. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was very like, looking at it or maybe there's a stigma if you tell that it's actually horrible Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the beginning um and people just don't say it and i think that's too bad it is it it really is and and that's part of why i interview dads on this show and uh just to kind of get a a a unique perspective from everybody and and try to hear ways that people deal with those hardships because it is really hard um and, and you know thinking about your your backstory there it makes a lot of sense. I think that the more immersed you are in that uh, debate sort of uh, culture, uh, if you will, there's a good sense of responsibility in how you handle it. That's why you're able to have 
uh, a really great conversation with people about a differing topic and then hey can you pass the salt like right afterwards and that's fine yeah um yeah and that that's a really good way to be brought up i think that's a really responsible way to to handle uh differing opinions and i think a lot of the world could learn from that in my opinion yeah, so I, I wanted to to jump into a little bit of the passions that you brought up. You know, technology, video games. Um, there are a couple things that I personally love as well, and I love hearing your take on it. Um, I need to ask you a a, a, a ground laying foundational question here. What is your favorite video game of all time? Oh wow, uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. I or you know maybe not even favorite. Let's say most impactful no, video game impactful that's even more difficult uh, for me no i think i i would say actually it's interesting uh certainly super mario world is up there uh mm, it's the yeah. one that i that if it's if there is a childhood defining game that might be it even though it's not the first one it's it's one that i think of that the first one that springs to my mind i think when i think about the the games i i was playing when i was young teenager or teenager period actually um but the one that is the most impactful the one that i would say is my favorite game of all time is probably the last of us which is interesting because it deals with matters of parenthood as well it does um yeah what, so, what do you think yeah. that like has has that permeated at all like the the thought of what joel and um Oh my gosh! Why am I blanking on Ellie? Ellie, it, what, thank you. What, does that permeate at all into the the way that you think about parenting? Um, <laughs> I think it made me want a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think you know, <clears throat> as game designers were growing up um, and, and becoming adults and parents, there was this wave of the, the main protagonist is very often a male character and they started dealing, dealing with issues of, of parenthood, the, the creators, I guess. Um, and they started making games where the main protagonist was still a, a, a man, but they had a, a daughter to take care of. And like, it was, interesting because it was at the same time painting the main characters in a slightly different light but also still not really perpetuating this this matchist idea of the strong man protecting yeah. the the young woman but there's a little bit of something there uh, but without getting too much into it i think it it this and other games where you have a similar relationship um there aren't many but there are a couple i guess uh made me want a daughter and it was funny because I actually had built up, built up this image of me as the father of a, a, a young woman. Um, and when I learned that I was going to have a son, I was uh, surprised and I guess a little bit distraught even. Ah. Um, so in that sense, there was uh, something of an influence there. I, it's not just The Last of Us, but uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so your love of video games and and technology and all this stuff permeates into this you know you, you are a content creator like that's what you do for a living um you know one thing that i wasn't sure about and i wanted to ask you clarification on were you married at the time that you made that jump from a corporate job into the life of a content creator covering topics like this Yes. Uh, not only was I married, but I also, well, I, yes, I was married. Uh, I was with my wife for five years before, uh, before that point, we got married like a year before. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but we discussed it 
very seriously, of course, and she actually encouraged me to take the plunge. Um, she encouraged me very strongly. That's so. That's awesome. I, I love hearing that you have a a spouse that is super um, supportive of that. I, I I'm in a similar boat with my wife, um, and so that's awesome. Were, were kids on the horizon? Were they a thought for you guys? No, I think that was part of it as well. Um, the the idea that I think we we she would have had we would have had this a similar conversations if we we were thinking about kids or had a kid um but it certainly made it easier the yeah. kids were still a few years off and it was like actually now is the time to do something stupid like this um because later it might be more difficult yeah so what has this been like now for you as a content creator you know you've had some time to build up and and now you have a bit of a foundation from you know, listeners, revenue, there's some steady stream um, a, a bit for you. Is it, Do you have more of a sense of stress added on to this entrepreneurial role that you've taken on? <laughs> I guess a little bit. I'm a naturally stressed person, which is actually <laughs> pretty bad for my health. Um, so the stress levels were pretty high already. I think there's an additional uh, level of stress, which is of course, the, the kid and, and supporting the family and the, the needs and requirements uh, change as you grow a little bit older. Um, it, it's not that I was super young when I first started. I was just over my, just in the beginning of my 40s. And now I'm starting to see the hill of the 50s on the horizon. Um, I'm 46 now. And I think it's a little bit of that general sense of um, uh, I whatever I do now is probably going to be, uh, how can I put this? When you're much younger, if you make a thousand bucks with, you know, being a content creator talking about video games, it's awesome and it's probably fine. Um, you know, maybe now the thousand is a little bit tight, but you know, you can live in your parents' basement, buy cup noodles, and that's perfect. And that's all you need. Um, when you're 46 with a kid, uh, a family, and maybe more than one kid in the future, um, you start thinking that you, you need to think about how your career is going. So I guess without having any uh, uh, specific answers, it does start it does come into, into the picture in a way that it wasn't five years ago when I first started. And I was like, great, I can just uh, uh, make enough to pay rent and buy some matter of food and we'll be, it will be fine. It's a little bit of a different way of looking at it now. It is. It adds a whole new layer of complexity. So, you know, for you I mean, with... just yeah, go ahead. Just sorry to... to um, expand on that just a little bit um for us in europe i think it's a different way of thinking at it than it is for you guys in the u.s because healthcare education is all taken care of that's taken a care very of by good the taxes point. we pay of course yep um but we don't have to think about the college fund and what happens if something happens to me and stuff like that so i think that it's a different level of complexity there to integrate in your thought process it is. And, and um, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So with, 
you know, you, you and I have very different, you know, experiences here. I've lived in the United States my entire life, uh, but I come from a multicultural background. My dad is Cuban, and and there's um, a, a bit of history there. And um, you know, for, for you living in Europe, and you have a lot of conversations with folks here in the states about parenting. What what is the biggest difference that you see between those cultures? About parenting you mean yeah and, and parenting specifically um well i think there's a big difference actually between the way we think of it in france and the way people seem to be thinking about it in every other country so i include other european countries there um we have i think in france a very specific way of approaching not just specific but just kids seem to not turn out turn out different but grow up in a different way in that they are much more um well behaved i guess and not in a like you know you'd better behave yourself or you'll see what happens they're just like for example we don't really have a word for the terrible twos um mm, okay it, it's not a thing for us. Obviously, there are phases where, as we were discussing earlier, there's the opposition phase where it's no to everything. Um, they don't really do tantrums a lot. Of course they do. You know, it's a normal part of life, but it's not that that societal stigma or trauma of tantrums, um, things like that. And I think there are a few things that French people get right. Um, but But having seen... Uh, kids in France a lot and kids in other countries uh, a little bit, I would say that in addition to maybe bread and wine, maybe education is something that we uh, get better than one might think. Hmm. Um, yeah. Very cool. and, and actually, I would recommend uh, for that, that's, I'll go, I'm going to recommend a book right now. Please. Um, it's called Bringing Up Bebe. And that is a book by Pamela Druckerman, who's an American who lived in France for uh, years and years. She's the, she still lives there. And she's written a book, a very funny, well-written book about her experience with education uh, in France and in the U.S. And she explains essentially the things that the French get right. Um, and certainly there are things that the French get wrong. But the things that the French get right, I think, would surprise many, many Americans including that thing of uh, crying it out and uh, the, the, the stories of, well, I mean, it's one thing. I'll, I'll, I won't expand too much, but there are a number of things. And uh, for example, the fact that kids eat just about everything when they're uh, in France. Not Very everything, cool. but a lot more than just, you know, pasta and nuggets. Yes. Um, stuff like that. It's great. Watch it. Like Aria loves broccoli and, you know, a bunch of different fruits. And she's pretty good oh, about eating awesome. a variety of things. And I think a big success to that is just not looking at it yourself as a parent and be like, ugh. You know, like setting the example, yeah. like, oh, look, daddy's eating it. Like, and, and you know, she wants you, oh, I want to try. And then she takes it and it's, and then you, yeah, it's good. Right. And she's like, yeah, yeah it's good. You know, <laughs> so you just kind of, it's kind of brainwashy. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, I don't know exactly how, I, I don't even know if that's actually the case in the US. You know, there's yeah. maybe it's just this uh, cultural caricature that people think, oh, kids only want white stuff, right? But but it's so pervasive. I think there's something behind it, at least for some people. And um, and 
it, it's not quite the I, I think obviously kids don't like as many different varied tastes as adults um but certainly there are many many things that uh that french kids eat that it seems others uh, other countries and nationalities don't and it might just come down to the fact that they taste it at first and you don't insist that they have to eat it they taste it once or twice and if they don't want to they can eat something else like there's much less conflictual um relationship there but at the same time the french have like a frame of rules that are uh, uh, that don't change and that are very um, strict. But inside that frame, there's a lot of freedom. Um, so I don't know. There's I, I've noticed as well in Finland, um, kids are like not <laughs> brought up. They're like, there's this idea. Again, this is a caricature, but there's this idea that you can't teach stuff to kids. So just let them run around and be crazy until they're six, at which point you start teaching them stuff. Mm. Which, And I've experienced this with young um, Finnish children. And I, I see them do things and I expect the parents to say something about it and they don't and I'm horrified. Mm. Uh, and it's not just about being strict. You know, it's not just being like severe with your child. That's not the, the main message here. Um it's it's a little bit more subtle than that. But so bottom line, I think the French have one of the hidden treasures of French culture, I think, is education of very young children, which I think would might be helpful for uh, some of your listeners to look into. And a great first uh, start uh, is that book, Bringing Up Bibi. Yeah, that's it. And that's yeah. And I'm sorry, I, I overspoke. Who is the person that wrote it? Uh, Pamela Druckerman. Pamela Druckerman. Okay, I love it. And that's a big part of what the show brings to the table is hearing the different perspectives on parenting. So I, I highly encourage folks to check it out. I definitely will. So, um, you know, I wanted to and, uh, circle. And I say that, yeah. sorry, but, just oh, to okay. finish up. Yeah. I say that I'm sure that within a few weeks, my kid is going to start throwing tantrums and <laughs> want to eat only pasta just, you know, just to be a contrarian to what I said on this show. Oh, yeah. And and, and I want you <laughs> to tweet at me and, and so I can retweet it to the world and be like, listen, <laughs> French kids throw tantrums to everybody. OK, I certainly will. <laughs> um, I, I want to circle back to the video game topic because, uh, you know, I think for me, I fantasize about, OK, what what's it going to be like playing video games with my daughter? Because video games are a big part of what I, I love doing and, and talking about on shows and, and such. So, you know, uh, for instance, uh, we were playing some Super Nintendo games upstairs uh, last night. She loves playing that Aladdin Super Nintendo game or the the Goof Troop game. I don't know if you remember those, uh, but she loves those sort of games, like the Disney stuff. Now, um, do you ever think about what it's going to be like playing video games with your son or sharing in that culture? Does he have any interest in it right now? Uh, so first of all, I'm super glad that you say your daughter is already interested in games um, because that means it's coming for mine, hopefully. Yes. Um, or the ability to actually play them. And do I think about it? I've been thinking about it since before he was born. Uh, I've been like... <laughs> it's it's the kind of thing... What the, I wonder what I'll do if he doesn't love video games. Like what oh I'll my do God, with myself. I'll, I'll be a failure, <laughs> right? Um 
And I mean, obviously, I love him no matter what, but maybe a little bit less if he doesn't love video games. You know, God, it's like there's real. important stuff there's, in life. He's a um, yeah, there's an expectation, son. Okay, exactly. And and I mean, we're pretty strict with uh, screens. We don't like. It's not like it's completely forbidden. Sometimes he likes to come on my lap and and play with the computer, uh, but we limit it a little bit. He's not. He's when he turns two, we'll start introducing like screen time a little bit more um but even then um he sometimes plays a little bit of mario kart uh on the switch which is essentially just him taking the 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 joypad and pressing all the buttons he's starting to understand that if you press one specific buttons it makes the the cart do a certain specific thing meaning like jump or move forward or go backwards um, but he doesn't really understand it yet. And it's like he plays 10 minutes at a time, a couple of times a week, maybe. So it's not a lot. But um, but yeah, I, I, I've, I'm already thinking about what I will introduce first. I guess Mario Kart is kind of a given because it's easy to understand. Nintendo games in general are safe or safer than most other games. So I think we'll, we'll start there. Um, but... I just hope he will be interested. I uh, there's a big chance he won't be, so I don't know. We'll see, but I hope he will be interested at least a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, my, my my fingers are crossed for you uh, because it is so much fun. I mean, e even when we're upstairs playing the little Aladdin game, like she just sits there and just jumps. She hits the jump button. She's like, "Daddy, you see, I hit the jump button," and she's you know getting oh, all excited nice. about it. Uh, she, I'm jumping. I'm throwing the apples at the guy, and and she just gets super <laughs> excited about it, and it's just oh my heart, you know, my my heart just warms. It's good. Um, oh yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, and and uh, you know, just thinking about how this permeates into your into your content creation again. I mean, do you have any suggestions on that kind of work life balance of of trying to consume things like video games, like tech news, all this sort of stuff? How are you able to balance, uh, you know, still spending time with your son during a, you know, it's a pretty demanding um, job that you have? Yeah, I try to set boundaries in general uh, for the job. I, I I did podcasting on on top of my regular job for a very long time, you know, and it was really having two jobs, like maybe one full-time and one part-time oh, <laughs> on to that. top of that. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess you, you you know how that goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, when I ended up doing this full-time, especially in the past couple of years, I've started trying to really set limits and like uh, not work outside of working hours, not work on the weekends. Otherwise, I would never stop, <laughs> of course. Um, so... I think that is something that I needed anyway. I um I and it works well. It works out well with the uh, with the kid. But at the same time we sort of take turns uh with the kid as well uh, on the weekends for example. Of course we spend a bunch of time together all three of us, but beyond that we also say okay now you'll take him for a couple of hours or i'll take him for a couple of hours and the other person i'm talking about my wife of course oh sure, um, sure. the other person can um can have a little bit of time to themselves which is very important um so i guess my my time is split between work time family time 
or baby time, wife time, and my time. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to have a little bit of all of those because I think they're all important. Um, certainly when it's baby time, I, I still struggle a little bit to actually have activities with him because he's a little bit young. He doesn't hold his attention for much longer than maybe two minutes, maybe five. Um, he can't do much yet. He can kick a ball. He can, you know, play with cars a little bit. But we're, it's not like like we can do things together yet. Mm-hmm. I suspect in the next six months or so, it's going to develop a lot further as he speaks a lot more. He's he's starting to do full sentences now. Um, so we're getting there. But um, it, it's still a little bit early to actually say that we spend time together. I certainly spend a lot of time with him. But it's not quite that we're doing stuff together, right? Say, right, right. That no, that makes sense, and and that's good insight, right? I think having that balance is is important. You you definitely need that uh that that time to yourself. Um, and I think we're both lucky in the fact that we have a partner to to help us with that. Uh, that's super important. Um, I always like to end the the conversation on some words of wisdom. You know, if you were to Think about uh, all the things that we talked about here. You, you had a heck of an experience with a screaming child. Um, <laughs> that is, uh, it, it, I, I totally commiserate with that. Um, you, you are a content creator. You have this love of, of video games and, and technology that you've really kind of culminated into a career at this point. Um, and, and you're balancing all this with family life now that you're a dad. Uh, if you were to think back, you know, let's say five years ago, um, when you were kind of getting, um, you, you know, like as, as you were really bringing this content creation really full force, I mean, what would you say to a younger Patrick Beja, uh, to, to give him some, some, uh, words of encouragement? Um, I think, you know, it's, it's difficult to explain to people what having kids is. Uh, it's kind of like, finding love you know what it is once it's happened until then you're just gonna wonder you're gonna oh what exactly is it like you read about it you hear about it in songs and poems and stuff um in the case of kids people tell you stuff but it doesn't really resonate and even when you have kids and you try to explain to people your friends what it is they don't know they just it's impossible to understand so i don't know that i could tell anyone who doesn't have kids, anything that would be useful. Um, But I will still try. And I will say something that actually um, my good friend, Nicole uh, Spagnolo, uh, whose husband you spoke to a few uh, episodes ago, Mark, um, she she told me before I had the kid, she said, um, I might be paraphrasing, but she said, it will destroy your life but it gets better. Mm. And, and you know, I didn't really understand or I didn't want to hear it uh, at the time, the idea that it would destroy my life um, or the fact that it is so hard. And by golly, I really hope that if you don't have a kid yet, dear listener, your kid is not difficult. But if they are, it's going to be effing hell. Um <laughs> And that's important to hear because you have to be prepared for it to be very difficult. But equally important, 
I think it's you have to understand that it passes, and once you're on the other side, those three months that seemed like they would ever never end actually are relatively small amount of time. Um, and so, because when you're in the thick of it, in the middle of it, you can't hear uh, things get better. You just can't hear it. It's, it's impossible. So integrate it before the, the crisis happens and understand that you just have to get through the first few weeks and months. And after that, you get to a place, it's very strange having a kid because, because you create something out of nothing and you create something that disrupts your life immensely, as everyone always says, but you create something that you love and that you love as much as you love your, your partner you know, or your parents and you understand your parents a lot more because they, you understand what they went through with you, and hopefully you love them even more. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's that thing that is a disruptive force in your life and your your routine and who you were because you're you're not that person anymore, and that is traumatizing. It's very difficult, but at the same time, it's a thing that didn't exist that all of a sudden takes this enormous place in your heart that you love like you you cannot love anything else so those two things together are very very strange but they're both true when you hold them at the same time in your in yourself um but sorry i'm meandering no, but no, essentially yeah, yeah it's tough and yes it passes so <laughs> That that's was, it. That's my advice. No, Patrick, that was like that was really beautifully said. I think that it, it fills this place in your heart that you had no idea ever existed, and mm -hmm. that's that's yeah. wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing a bit more about your experience as a as a dad here. I think it's been really fun to get to know this side of you a little bit more. Um, you know, for everybody out there who is listening, where can they reach you and check out all your stuff? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. It's it's super enjoyable. You know, we talk about tech and video games all the time and everywhere, but it's really fun to talk about these kinds of things. And I'm I certainly appreciate the the invitation and the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so where people can reach me, I guess uh, Twitter. I'm not Patrick there, so that's a very easy way to get in touch. And if you enjoy the video games you can go check out pixels which is a show i do in english about video games or uh the phileas club which is a show about politics and international views on things and hopefully differing opinions and um if you speak french then check out le rendez-vous tech or le rendez-vous jeu for tech and um and gaming news but everything you will find it on my twitter profile not patrick it's the easiest way to um reference all that well thank you again and our guest has been patrick beja patrick thanks so much big thanks again to our guest patrick beja for sharing your story about being a new dad it's so fun getting to know the side of you patrick so i am looking forward to having you on the show again would love to hear from you in like the next year or so what is the next new thing to to, to creep up on you, the unsuspecting new dad. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll have to stay tuned here. And if you'd like to chime in on the show and the conversation that we had today, you are welcome to do so. You can email the dad chronicle podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to this show. Go to the dad And you know what? While you're there, click on that link to become a patron. 
even $1 a month makes a huge difference. And there's a lot of really great rewards too. So check all that out. And hey, take that dollar you're not spending and toss it this way. Every little bit helps in the production costs of this show. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you're welcome to do so. You can just search for at Alex Albisu on any social media and you'll find me there. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.